Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. And how are you? I... I'm trying, man. Dude, I get it. I have four more school days till spring break. Oh, the dream. I just need... I just need that. The school year to be over. But then the summer's gonna be so short and it's just gonna be another school year and like it's just one after the other. Never ends. I need like a, a vacation from life for like a solid year. Oh yes. You know, if you work at Starbucks for eight years, I don't know if this is still true. But it used to be if you worked there for eight years, you could take off a certain amount of time. I remember if it was a whole year or like six months or something, like with pay, like as a way to find yourself i don't remember what that was I remember uh my manager at the time was getting ready to do it based on um the uh intense issues with unionization that starbucks has been dealing with i somehow oh. don't think that that's a thing anymore um but the starbucks is a brand new ceo i don't know if you saw this i saw a news article about the other day brand- starbucks is a brand new ceo who has vowed to once a month work half a shift in a store. Good for them. He was like, how am I supposed to know what the company is? He was like, how am I supposed to know how to improve the front end of the company if I don't know what the front end of a company looks like? A thousand percent. It's what I've been and saying. I was like, and I was like, okay. Now, I mean, if he, it's a great thing to say. If he actually goes through with it and sticks through with it, I will be so impressed. I will spend more money at Starbucks than I already do. That may not be a good thing, but <laughs> I get the sentiment. <laughs> okay, to be fair, because of gift cards from students, I have not put a penny of my own money into Starbucks in three months. No, since <gasps> since pay? November. Since it's November. Like 75 bucks or more? Because your drinks are expensive that you get. You're bougie. Yeah. In the winter, I'm not as bougie. In the winter, I get like regular either Christmas lattes or vanilla lattes because I want it to be warm. Right. In the summer, I turn into... So they're like to, $6 instead of like $15. Yeah, in the summer, I have like $17.47 different additive drinks. Yeah, you're wild. You're wild. I don't get it. <laughs> I had one when I was in LA with my dad and I ordered two drinks. He got a... Normal chai, a, a chai, <laughs> just an iced chai. Uh-huh. If you're and, at drinks, this was thirty bucks for two drinks. Yeah. No, it wasn't thirty. It was okay, like sixteen. Yeah. Well, that's better <laughs> than I thought it was going to be because normally, like, probably the iced chai was probably like six bucks. So. I mean, I could tell you right now <laughs> on, on my app what kind of nonsense it was. So much nonsense, so much. Um, I don't know. How do I look at previous? Oh, I have to pick previous orders. Yeah. Um, um, oh, no, what? Shh. 
Um, he got an iced chai tea latte, and I got an iced cafe latte with three pumps of hazelnut syrup, a caramel drizzle, a blonde espresso, vanilla, sweet cream, cold foam, three pumps of white chocolate mocha, and an extra shot of espresso. Um, my, my drink cost, um, $11. Yeah. Yeah, that's nonsense. And his drink uh, costs six. Yep. Yep. That tracks. <laughs> that tracks. It's fine. Ugh. How are you? I'm well. Um, last you heard about my, my work life, uh, there was a mariachi band, and uh, we've moved past that. But I, I always joke until Jason, I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm doing this. So on Friday, I sent that video to Tara. She never got back to me. But Jason sent it to her, and she did get back to him and was like, oh, yeah, Courtney sent it. I haven't gotten back to her yet. And then he's like, yeah, she's quitting. And then she immediately called him and like in a panic. And I didn't find this out till Saturday night when I got to work. <laughs> I was like, Jason. I was like, okay. I was like, I tell you, like, once a week, I'm quitting. You can't tell Tara I said I'm quitting because she's gonna panic. You know, I'm not quitting. Yeah, I don't think she should know I'm not quitting unless I come to her. Like, it was so funny though. I felt so bad. I was like, no, don't tell her I'm quitting. <laughs> but uh, we had a going away party for one of the Hudson managers, um, on Saturday, and it turns out she's from New Orleans, like born and raised there. So she's moving uh -huh. back to work at the Sanger and Mahalia Jackson theaters. And she was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're from Louisiana. And so we like traded numbers and whatnot. And now I have a connection in New Orleans for theater too. I love it. Who would have thought? thought? I love it. Um, so yeah, I'm fine. It was fine. Not a lot. I mean, I've already told you everything that's happened now between the time I saw you last and today. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, uh, I don't want to babble too much because we might be going off the rails here in a bit. And I oh, yeah. I'm not really sure what is about to happen. Um, I'm, and I'm sorry. Ahead of time. Yeah. So, um, you know what I do have time for? My spirituality. Um, yeah. So today's spiritual quote um, says, One of the greatest indicators of our own spiritual maturity is revealed in how we respond to the weaknesses, the inexperience, and the politically offensive action of others. David A. Bednar. That's true. And I just needed that today because I had a lot of things to say that I kept to myself. And I was proud of myself for that. Well, uh, as, as we do, it is the fourth annual dna awards and uh we never remember how we do these every time around so quite literally all four of them have been different to be fair that's because the second one was trying to switch to me and courtney instead of me and monica and we had my dad judging on the second one yeah and then on the third one, we didn't have a judge, but we tried to do it the same, I think. <laughs> I don't remember. And and now here we are a year later with no fucking concept of what we have done in the past. Literally yesterday, I texted Mary Kate and I was like, hey, I think these are the categories we did. She was like, 
yeah, and there were some nonsense ones. So let's not do those. Here's a couple more that work. I was like, great. <laughs> yeah. 24 hours ago, we had this conversation. And then I um, waited till after I was done with work today to attempt to pick any of my awards while having a conversation with my mom about someone else's engagement ring. Not even someone that like I'm related to. Um, and actually, I don't think it's actually even an engagement ring. You know, I, I'm not sure. But also, I'm not sure about the awards I picked either. Well, you know, that's okay. <laughs> that's where we're at today. And if people have feelings about it, they can tell us when they listen. Um, otherwise, it's going to be great. I think we're doing a great job already. So as a heads up for all around, all of the way around, I've picked out a few segments that I'm going to insert into every few awards. I've already set up an award schedule. And, uh, and we um, to never do it this way again. To be fair, I have absolutely no idea what she's going to do. So she's I'm, just no here for, I'm just here I for the ride. Literally just like taking the will of this joy ride and we will see what happens. So DNA Awards, we have no day of because today is the day. Yeah. Um, no nonsense, number one book or movie stuff like we normally use. Um, because we're not trying to get you to relate to any period of time. It's just us. Just and, uh, us drinking wine on a Monday night in March of 2023. Absolutely. Well, I thought the best place for us to start was I wanted to tell you some awards that it has won for more reputable sources than DNA. <laughs> valid. <laughs> so valid. Also, the amount of awards that Vera Farmiga was nominated for is and like... did not win. And did not win is wild. We literally ended last week with me bitching that she did not win an Emmy. So... So, uh, so that's not one of the awards. But there's a few other ones that are nice that I've never heard of. I've heard of one of them. There's uh, the Gracie Allen Awards, which I've never heard of. But Vera Farmiga won Outstanding Female Actor in a Leadership Role. Um, the Leo Awards, which, again, never heard of. The Leo Awards? Yeah. I have heard of those. They're, I think they're about specifically about horror. I'm not sure. Interesting. Maybe. Well, uh, I didn't look up what the awards were. I just looked up which ones Bates Motel won. Um, yeah, and... Oh, it was- oh, no, no, no. It's, that's why I know of it. It is the film awards specifically for British Columbia. So all of that, and that's why all of the um, bullshit that we, everything that I fucking watched was filmed in Vancouver. That's why I know what the Leo Awards are. Well, they won Best Costume Design. Uh, Monique Prudhomme won that. And then Tony Wagamuth won Best Production Design. Fantastic. And then the iHorror Awards. Vera Farmiga again won Best Horror TV Actress. And then last but certainly not least, um, it was the favorite cable TV drama for the People's Choice Awards. Very nice. So those are some reputable awards it's won. Now, now on to some less reputable awards. That one day, I hope someone stumbles upon this in 30 years and thinks we're reputable. 
I just, I like, I like hope that like one day, like Joel De La Fuente's IMDb says in awards, like winner of season one double helix award DNA. Like, <laughs> look, that's a pretty high honor. The highest honor I have the capability of giving. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so now I'm just going to start giving out a couple of awards. I think the uh, best way to do it is a popcorn. So I'll ask you the award. You give the first one, and then on the next one, I'll give the first one. Okay. We'll just alternate a bit um, until we get to our next stopping point. So first, yeah, you want to pull out your notes that say what you Yeah, Yeah, they I won? have them right yeah. here. I also have kind of figure out what I just did with my pen so that I can mark off the ones that I talked about. Oh, I kicked it to the other side of my desk. So that is not going to happen. Just kidding. No problem. I will. It's okay. I have a list and I'll just tell you what it is. Okay. Um, so I will let you go first on this one. But the first award I would like to present is the best director. Of okay. Now, the best director award was one that I thought about for a little bit. And I ended up picking something that I don't necessarily know I 100% agree with. Okay. But it was just that sheer volume of directorial credits meant that if I tried to pick any of my best moments, they landed there. So I went with Tucker Gates for best director because – he directed 17 episodes and the next highest amount of anyone was four. So just like by volume alone, it's hard to think of anyone other than him. That is absolutely fair. I also picked him as my best director, but I did give an honorary award because of how it fell. And I was just looking up what episodes the honorary award director did because I forgot everything I've ever known about Bates Motel after two hours tell episodes um because I don't want to tell you the name until I tell you my answer but I also thought about it because I was like if I'm gonna pick one even not based on sheer volume I could narrow it down to a few that really like push Mm -hmm. like punch like you think about even the contrast between episode one and episode 50 like those were both Tucker Gates. Right. So, like, he was not only the most involved director, but he was probably the best director in the series. Yeah. And there's a reason he did so many. My honorary award, I gave to Tin Salem. Okay. He directed Persuasion and Good Night Mother and Forever. Okay. And That's Forever super where Norma dies and Goodnight Mother was season two. It was no it was season four. It was early season four. Oh, oh, sorry. It was episode two of season four. That's what it was. Yes. 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 And, uh, I don't remember specifically what that one was about. Um, no, it is. I know because I have it later in something else. <laughs> no, but it is the episode right after Norman gets back from, the mental facility where he thinks that his mom killed someone and she thinks that he killed someone and they're like awkwardly trying to figure out what happened. These were really well done episodes. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like there was no winning battle if you were going up against Tucker Gates. So I did want to give an honorary award just so we could acknowledge another director as well. Right. Because I, I, I had a hard time. I like... I, like, looked out the episodes that Nestor Carbonell directed just because we know how I feel about Nestor Carbonell. And they weren't bad episodes, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't um, justify picking him over Tucker Gates just because I like him when the, there, if you think of an episode that's good, almost never is it going to not be Tucker Gates who did it. Right, right. So... Yep, and that's very fair. Um, I would like to go next to the best writer. Okay. Um, which, again, is a bit of a difficult award to give because it was a lot of the same writers, and a lot of them were very prolific were in a lot of the episodes, but there were some here and there that you could have um, viral. Mm-hmm. I, however, I did end up picking two because they were the two that worked the most together episodes and i thought that they were the ones that knew the characters well enough Um, okay with carlton cues and carrie aaron that's valid that's probably um like you said it's hard because there's so many um writers that worked so often in tandem um but I actually went in a weird direction for this one because I picked someone not necessarily based on the actual content of their episodes while the episodes that they wrote were not bad by any means. I went with someone who showed a skill that I didn't know they had in doing that at the level with which they did it. And so for best writer, I did choose Freddie Highmore. Yeah. Yeah. Because the two episodes that he wrote were brilliant and were so far beyond what I ever would have thought he was capable of writing. I mean, it was the first episodes he wrote for TV. I mean, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, That is an excellent pick. Um, And a very fair choice as well. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, like you said, it was hard to narrow down with the writers and the directors just because there were so many people who worked together, but he, both of the ones that he wrote, he wrote the story entirely by himself. Yep. And so for him to have that good of a grasp of his own character and the characters around him and to put that kind of writing out without the experience of the writer's room, I just thought was... Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, I would like to go next to the best line in the episode or in the series. Oh, here's where we get to the fact that I had 25 minutes to try to remember 50 episodes of the show and knew I was never going to do that. And I thought about picking some quotes that were like really deep or vulnerable. And instead, I went with a Chick Hogan quote. <laughs> I have an honorary Chick Hogan quote. <laughs> um, and the quote I used was sort of deep and vulnerable, but um, it was from Chick Hogan's 
last interaction. In fact, I think it might actually be the last line he said as a living human. Um, the artificiality of scripted drama doesn't hold a candle to true crime. Little surprise without contrivance, more surprise than the brain would allow you to imagine. Absolutely. That was a excellent quote. And Nestor Carbonell had an excellent response to it. <laughs> that quote is that it so perfectly um, fits Chick. It perfectly fits the brilliance of what this show did. And yep. it also like perfectly fits what we as a podcast are trying to do by like picking apart these scripted dramas. And so I just was like, I for sure can't think of anything better, but also it's kind of amazing that this one quote is all of what death and aliens is. Yeah. It absolutely is like phenomenal and a really good line. Um, it is not the one I chose because I went in a different direction. Um, but I do have, I do have a few. So I picked my main one that is that I'm giving the award to. And then I picked a few yeah. that I thought would be nice to hear on the back end. Perfect. So of my honorary awards. One of them is Norman. Cause we just don't belong in this world anymore. Mother we're broken. We've tried. We want peace and happiness, but the world just won't allow it. So let's take ourselves out of the equation because whatever there is after this, we will have peace and we will be together. And I thought that was a, a summation of Norman's brain. Correct. Um, it was fine. Um, my chick quote is we're all in this side show together and then we die because that is what I'd like to quote all the time now for my life. Yes. Um, that and is. my last honorary one was between Norman and Marianne. And Norman says it's hard to be lonely, but it's also hard to love people. And I think that that's the trap. And she says, trap? He says, yes, the little private trap that everyone lives in. And we need people, but that need can destroy us. Once you care about someone, it rules you. And who even knows at the end of the day, if that person is really who you think they are, or if they're even real at all. I think that that is probably the best actual quote um, um, from the show. But I just thought of one that from that I really, really liked from Norma, mm -hmm. um, that I, and I, I'm going to have to try to find it, which, um, well, I can give you the one that I have given the award to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do that before um, I, and it's a lot more simple than the rest. Okay. Um, and it definitely could cause some existential crisis yeah. unlike, differently than the rest. Um, it's in the very first episode. Okay. Norma says, Norman, this is our chance to start over. And Norman's response is, maybe some people don't get to start over. Maybe they just bring themselves to a new place. And I was like, that quote, while being very simple, and in the beginning you felt it, but it didn't hit you hard. When you get to that last episode and you start over, that yeah. I felt like means so much more in the end. And so no, I that's why that. I think it's my like final quote. The the one that I want to give an honorary one to because I feel like it just speaks to me and the world that I live in and the things that I wish I could um say to um parents all of the time, but I can't, um, is from season I don't remember if it's season one or two. I think it's season one when she goes to the board meeting. That was the season school. two. Was it okay? 
Um, but it says, welcome to the world, ladies. There are axe murderers and whores stuck under every rug, so your kids better read up on it and get educated because that's what life is. It's a cesspool you claw and scratch and fight to swim out of, but you never get to the top. I almost picked that one, too. <laughs> I did. It was, it was on my list of things I was looking at. Because, let me tell you, the number of people who somehow don't understand that their kids can see bad words on the internet like I just I can't yeah and I feel like this is like a great example of how like so many of these like moments you wouldn't think do actually become more prominent because like we have 50 episodes to pick lines from and one of the lines ended up in our same like spectrum that we were looking at and so like it's just it's just one of those shows that gets you in a lot of places well and I think yeah I think the interesting thing is that like the show is a horror show, but the right. things that struck me the most about it were the most human parts of it. Yep. Because they were the most terrifying. Yeah. And and the most comforting. Yep. The ones like, you connect to the best. Yeah. Sometimes for the worst. But, yeah. Yep. So next up, we have the best episode. So um, I will go first in this one. And this one was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. I no, this, picked, one was, this one was so hard. I picked three episodes and I had a really hard time narrowing it down. And I feel like this one might be a cop out, but I truly think it might have been the best episode in the entire series. And I picked The Cord, the final episode of the series. And I feel like that's a, like an off pick because it's like, of course, the best the last episode didn't suck, so therefore it's the best. And it's like, Really, it was like you look at all the See, scenes and how they connected. No, it it, it is out. good and it is good, and I did like it a lot. And I thought about picking something from season five, and there was a lot of really good moments. And I do think that the fact that the season, the series finale wasn't bad, kind of gives it an edge that you because series exactly. finales, series finales are so often like such a letdown. But I didn't pick something from season five at all. I picked Good Night, Mother. <laughs> So that's why I was talking about it earlier because I, I picked the night mother because it was the first episode that we saw the real tension between what Norman wanted Norma to be and who Norma really was. And it was so subtle and so well done. Yep. And it, it, I felt like was the domino for the rest of the series. I absolutely think that is true. Um, I, picked the other two episodes that I picked as like really hard for me to not pick as my number one for very similar reasons. Um, they were not good night mother, although that is an excellent choice. Um, the two that I picked that I, I, the, one of the other ones I looked at was season four. It was forever. Okay. The one where Norma died. And obviously it set the scene for the rest of oh, it. Oh yeah. No, that the one, the one where, oh. where Norma died was pretty fucking, that one was up in my, like that I went back and forth with also. Yeah. It was was so beautifully done. And the other one I picked because it was so uncomfortable and really did set up a lot of, it gave us a lot of insight Uh that we didn't have before it was season three. And it was Norma Louise. I would have to agree. And from everything that I have seen on Reddit, because I tried very hard not to look at Reddit too often, but I get Reddit notifications pop up on my phone. So sometimes I just see things. And um, if it says spoiler, I like don't look at it. But most people on the internet as a whole 
give credit to Norma Louise as being the best episode of the show. And that's because we we finally get to see insight into Norma and it gives you so much confliction over Caleb at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because I think this is one of the earlier episodes where you started being like, he's not that Yeah, this this was this was the episode that we got in. That was the episode that we got into the fight about whether (laughs) Caleb was a good or bad person. Yeah, that tracks. Um, But yeah, so I felt like those were all like, that's the thing. I also also almost picked um, season one, episode nine, where Blair dies. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Because that is, like, the first time that you're like, oh, shit, this is Norman Bates. Yeah, you get to see inside of Norman a bit more when you... And it's it's the first time that he is the character from the movie. Right, right. Yeah, there's... In this show, like, not to, not to, like, be mad about all the other shows we did, but this show is incredible. Yeah. And No, I, but, I mean, it's it's also just a very different kind of show than the other shows we've seen like dead like me dead like me is supposed to be irreverent that's the point coal shack is from the 70s right and hemlock grove exists so exactly and like this one was definitely the hardest one i felt like to pull what is my favorite episode what is and like then i had to figure out reasons so i could decide which one was my favorite because like Mm -hmm. dead like me definitely had good episodes coal shack had good episodes hemlock grove had some things that were good in it um, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but like, this is the first one that I was like, what angle am I taking? Because that well, really- And honestly, I think that to be fair, so far we've only talked about best things because the categories we've gone through so far have only been bests. I think that the bests were much easier to pick than the worsts. Not, I- because, not because the show was not, it didn't have bad moments. It, it was by no means perfect. And there were definitely bad moments. And some of the worsts that we did as we go through this, I had a very easy time. Yep. But some of them, I was like, how, how do you call this the worst? It's the worst of the best. Like yeah. that's really what it is. Um, on that note though, the next category is the worst episode. And this one was really hard. Like I said, this was probably like the hardest pick I ended up making. And now I have to go look at what I wrote down what episode I picked, but I didn't write my reasons. So I need to look at it again to remember what my reasons were. Yeah. Because I I looked for a very long time and I was sure of this when I said it. But I don't know why I was so sure because that was three hours ago. You know how that goes. Um, so it was from season two. Okay. And it was season two, episode seven. Which was presumed innocence. I I also looked at this one. And I just 
I felt that it focused on three major plots, all of which I did not love. And because the Romero searching for Blair's killer was needed, but this was in the weird, fuzzy stages of it. And it was the first time we saw Alex do something that was probably deliberately not good. Sure. I, Cody and Norman's friendship was just irksome. Mm-hmm. And Zane, the Zane subplot with the drug wars might have been some of the worst, like, Dylan stuff in the whole show. And so this episode just kind of like was a hinge point for all three of those plot lines. And so I, I didn't like have a, like I said, I didn't have like a strong, like I hated that episode for any of them, but I didn't like any of the things that were happening in this episode. So that's also the reason I picked the episode I picked. Um, Perfect. Because I felt the same. There wasn't anything that I was just like, this was terrible. It was more that I didn't care for the storyline. Um, I picked season four, episode four, Lights of Winter. And it was the episode where they left the mental institute with him and Julian. And I just didn't care for that storyline. I understand there were some insane things that happened. Him turning into his What's mother at strip club. Like, really good things <sighs> happened this episode still. But as a whole. I only very deeply protest for one reason. And one reason only. I know. And that is because Alec Romero at the Winter Festival is the most beautiful thing in the entire world. And everyone's entitled to their own opinion. To be fair, um, I almost picked Julian's existence for another thing that we'll talk about later. So I get it. And that's the only reason I picked this one. Because I did consider the Zane stuff. And I was like, that wasn't great. I was like, but a lot did happen and it was a little more drawn out. So we got some more. Plot yeah. And, and it was, it was less, I don't like it abrupt. now in the long run, but yeah, it was less abrupt. And like, I remember being genuinely con- concerned and intrigued at the time. Right. And that's, I remember, cause when I went back and I was looking, I was like, I forgot about this whole same plot line. I like, did too. So I forgot I, about everything to do about that. Yeah. So I totally get that. Like I was trying to remember his sister's name and I was like, what's her name again? It was Jody. And Oh, um, good. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause some quotes came up and they were like, Jody said this. I was like, who is Jody? And then I saw the one about dirt is honest or whatever, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. The sister. Got it. So, um, that was, a, that so was a good quote. I forgot how much I liked her speech about dirt. Yeah. That was a good quote. Um, don't think it was the final. I did look at it. But it did make it into my top three, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, Before we get into our next awards, I would like to give you some beautiful and not so beautiful IMDb review. Oh my god. (laughs) Because what better way to get this going? I want to also note before I start. I don't know what year Game of Thrones ended, but the number of comments that were like, this ending was so much better than Game of Thrones was wild. 
Um, Game, of Thrones, Game of Thrones, so don't tell me, but... No, no, no. Game of Thrones ended in 2021. So these people were watching, like, way later then. Correct. Um, Game of Thrones ended in 2021, and um, I will just publicly put this out on the internet. Um, I loved the ending of Game of Thrones. I... No spoilers. I will say that I understand people who complain that it is rushed and that we could have had half another season. I will give you that that is valid, but I don't think any character's ending was against their character, and I am have gotten into vicious arguments with people over that, because I love so, it. So, if you had to pick Game of Thrones finale, Bates Motel finale, where are you going? Where are you falling? asking the real hard yeah um i'm gonna go with baits very slightly very slightly um i haven't seen game of thrones but how can you beat that ending for baits especially for like a five season cable tv show like i get um, like hbo separate from cable tv it's like subscription tv i will tell you that there are shows that i would say that i like their ending better but I don't know that any of them are cable. Right, right. That's what like, I'm saying. It's like, like the like the Last Kingdom. You saw me when I finally finished watching yeah. The Last Kingdom. And that was which, Netflix, oh though. my god, this episode of the podcast, this that we are doing right now, the DNA Awards, are going to premiere. This episode is going to come onto the internet on April third. No, fourth. Something. No, later than that. The sixth. Is it that week? Whatever. It's that week. So that means in eight days, the movie that is the big finale with a bow, Seven Kings movie of the Last Kingdom, All Men Must Die, or Seven Kings Must Die something, I don't remember the fucking name of it, comes out on April 14th. And so get ready for me to fucking lose my shit sooner rather than later. Great. Excellent. Glad we could uh, get there. We've had a lot of Last, Last Kingdom talk on this season of uh, TNA, for sure. Um, <laughs> it's my so, I There are a lot of reviews about Bates. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I picked out some that were short and sweet. Okay. Here's the three best that I found. Bloody brilliant. Managed to binge the entire five seasons in one week. The acting's incredible. I laughed, I cried, and I hid behind a cushion. It's got everything you could want from a psychological horror drama. Couldn't recommend it enough. And that feels like the what I would say. Yeah, spot on. No. Yeah. Next one. I chose this one because I have a response to this one. Oh, okay. It's just addictive viewing. One of my all-time favorite TV series. I watched all 50 episodes with my mother in the space of about a month. Gripped from beginning to end, the atmosphere felt like a very long Stephen King novel. A must-see for all fans of the genre. And now, great show. Do not disagree. But the fact that you watched all 50 episodes and made a point to note that it was with your mother makes me concerned. That that does feel like the wrong place for that comment. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Like, yeah. again, time and place. Like, there's, there's some times where I can be like, oh, I watched that episode of Bridgerton with my mom. Sure. I watched that's, that's, with my mom. Right. But so me making a point to say that I watched that episode of Bridgerton with my mom is a 
everyone, this is uncomfortable for me, but just so you know, there are some things that I watch everything with my parents, but making a point to talk about a show that makes the mother-child relationship very concerning and to with your mom. Of endearment. With my mother. Because you're like, I watch this with my parents. I watch this with yeah. my mom. I watch this with my dad. Like, sure. Yes, correct. I watch a show about crazy moms or crazy mothers and crazy children with my mother. Yeah. Who calls their mom mother? Truly, truly. And last, but certainly not least, and probably the review I would have given if I started typing when I finished watching the end of the finale, just titled Insane. One of the best shows ever. Insane story, insane acting, insane drama, absolutely insane. You can't judge the show with the first couple of episodes. You can't miss the show for the world. Just watch it. And I feel okay. like that's what I told everyone when I finished the finale. Okay. So now that we've gotten through the best, let's go to the worst. And let's oh tear them down like they deserve. <laughs> One out of ten. Painfully boring. There are no psychopaths on the show. Red flag number one. Definitely no horror. Absolutely no excitement. As if Hallmark tried to make a murder mystery. Characters were excruciatingly irritating, most of them quite unnecessary. Dialogues long and pointless. The whole story is predictable and nobody cares. Maybe little kids would enjoy it. I think I would if I was 20 years younger. So I'm guessing this person's 90. And... <laughs> doesn't know what TV is. What on earth? Like, I can... Opposite of everything they said. There's no psychopaths in the show? Are you a psychopath? Like... Right. That's the only way you would think these people are not psychopaths. Um... One out of ten. Good cure for insomnia. Watched this after it was recommended to me by a family member who said they really enjoyed it. Sadly... I did not enjoy it one bit. The story was slow and pedestrian. I understand you have to build things up a steady pace before the big reveal or big climax, but there is a limit as to how slow it should be. The boy who plays Norman Bates is awful to watch, only has one expression on him and makes you want to fall asleep. With other quality programs and films on Netflix, stay away from this. That is offensive. Right? Freddie Highmore did not deserve that. Freddie Highmore is a gem. So, this one might get a little sympathy from you, but still, one out of ten, hated it. I would never recommend this series to anyone, not even my enemy. This is not a serial killer type of series you're looking for. You should never even watch it. I would recommend if you're looking for a serial killer series, look for one called, because no one's heard of this show, look for one called Dexter. Yeah, everyone knows what Dexter is. Thank you. Correct. I was really sick of the kind of love Norma had for Norman. It was abnormal, with a U, abnormal. It made me vomit, made me wish I wouldn't have seen this series. They don't know what Psycho is. They don't know what's happening here. I can't imagine how Norman got away with so many murders. That's ridiculous. That's boring. Alex Romero, death pained me. All those innocent victims who had to die. I'm so shocked how this got 8.1 rating. I hate this series. Um, while you are reading... I did go and find some reviews that I appreciated also. Mm -hmm. um, and this one, it was only four stars. But yeah, I like 10 or one. Like, I yeah. Uh, yeah. But this one, I, I want to, I liked, but it said four stars, a huge letdown. 
Okay, I'm not going to go over the story. Everyone knows that this abysmal effort is meant to be the prequel of Psycho. First, the limited positive things about the series. The actors. In fact, most of them do a very good job. Now on to the negatives, which there are quite a few. Oh, that was it. That was it for the positive. Got it. Yeah. And firstly, having the series set in our time and not in the 50s, which, to be fair, I also, you also I understand. I understand now. I'm okay with it. I got used to it, but I was very against that when the show started. Um, next, the stories in which each series has, some are really bad. To be fair, we just mentioned that there are quite a few storylines. Not great. Sure. Then there is the addition of Norman's brother. I'm only okay. reading this. I'm only reading this. <laughs> um, not that it's the actor's fault. It's not. But every time that character's on the screen, the tension leaves the episode. <laughs> to be fair, we loved him because he released the tension for us. So, like, that's a criticism, but also entirely valid. Right, right. So um, what you're I'll, saying is you loved him too much to be upset when he was there. Right. That I understand. Yeah. That um, and then the last part says, also, since when do attractive girls make a beeline for the new nerd? Never, ever has this happened. <laughs> to be fair, have you watched a TV show? Let's start there. But. Um, yeah, that's really the only one that I had gotten to while you were reading. But I just loved it because I was like, this is rating it poorly, but I also agree with everything. It's it's for for the reasons that we don't rate it poorly. Right. Yes. Correct. Um. Oh, but this one just says if you are a fan of Hitchcock, don't watch it. Sure, Jan. Um. Yeah. Would you like to get back into our awards? Absolutely. Or- great because they're much nicer much friendlier than these people who are morons um who would you pick is this my turn yeah who would you pick as your number one (sighs) give me a second i think the next category is the best guest star it is and i but i didn't write down his name really and I needed to look up his name because I just... Oh, but you're going first this time, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So who was the best guest star in your opinion? I picked... Now, hold on. Before we pick, I have a question. Because in my mind, when you... Because you sent me these award lists. And when you said best guest star, I made a rule for myself mm-hmm. that I was not going to pick anyone who had been in more than eight or more than 10 episodes because then I didn't consider them a guest star anymore. That's fair. I... Okay. My head said anyone who was under the top, like, six or seven actors, but I think that pretty much is... Awesome. Yeah. I So I, I looked at people, and if they had been more than 10 episodes, I did not consider them a guest star. I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page and that you weren't, like, picking Alex or something. Oh, no. <laughs> he is the main star. <laughs> yes, don't always. Right now. <laughs> no. My number one main guest star or best guest star is Ian Hart who plays Will Decody because he is just a saint okay. and a gem and I love him I love that I went a slightly different direction um, because I did not pick someone that I liked the character 
I picked someone that I thought the actor itself was the best acting of a guest star. Fair, fair. And so I picked Keegan Connor Tracy. Oh, yeah. Who played Blair Watson because Blair was started off making me think she was doing being exactly the same character that Keegan has been in everything I've ever seen her in. Mm-hmm. But by the end of her eight episodes, I was like, oh no, she's like not even close to the same kind of character that she's used to playing. And the subtlety of that was such a brilliant acting choice. And I was really impressed with her skill. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. We did go different paths. And I mean, not that Ian Hart was a bad actor. In the right. Way, but I did go based on character and his character was my favorite guest character. Which he is kind to everyone. No, and he was and he was wonderful. And I am sad that he was only played by Professor Quirrell for one episode. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I was like thinking because there was lots of like one off characters that I really liked that I found interesting. There were lots of like little bit pieces of things. And then there were like characters that like I loved Remo, but I think Remo may have, went been, over, in may have been in too many. Yeah. And, but so like, I was like, like oh, Wagner, who probably also was in too many. Yeah. And I was like, so I, but what is, who is a guest star that really captivated me with their performance? Yeah. Not just their character. And that's where I went with that. I agree. I think I think Keegan was probably the best choice for that. I think that was a good one. Um, so you get to go first now. Who was your worst guest star? Well, this one I felt um, very strongly about hating their character, but also just feeling like the acting did nothing for me because I hated their character, not because they did a good job at making me hate them, but because their character just sucked. And so I picked Kevin Ram. Who played? Who played. Why the fuck am I blanking on his name? The guy who hated it. No, the guy who was trying to mess Norma's fucking life up. Uh, no. There's a lot of these uh, people. Bob Paris? There are a lot of people. Bob Paris. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. I was like, I was I like, the one. Really liked him as a character on there. See, I didn't. I didn't feel like he was compelling. I felt like he was just the same shitty one-liner white guy that you see in everything. See, and I think I had a different opinion because I've seen him in other stuff that he's acted completely opposite in. And so mm-hmm. seeing him in this role was really new for me. And I was like, okay, oh, good job because it's not what I'm used to. That's but fair. I, your point that if this is what you know him from, that's a very... I mean, and I know I've seen Judging Amy... Which she was on when he was very young. So that was different. Um, Desperate Housewives most recently. Yeah, he is a very different character on Desperate Housewives. You're not wrong. But I just I just didn't feel like Bob Paris was a lot of acting, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like it was just like a white guy being a white guy. I think that's totally fair. I think it's totally fair. Um, I believe this is what you were referencing earlier in our conversation. But my choice was... Marshall Allman, and not really by his own fault, but because he played Julian Howe, and I just hated that character. I wish he didn't exist in the show. If we had two seasons with him involved, and he was really the one that drug Norman down, I could see him being, like, a beneficial character. But to be in, like, one and a half episodes, or whatever it was that he was in, it just felt so unnecessary. 
as a character that I just mm-hmm. like couldn't get behind it. This is not actually the category that I was thinking about for him because I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, this is, I didn't, I didn't love the character. I didn't really love it, but I do think that that kind of crazy is a difficult acting choice. Mm-hmm. And, and like, bel- I don't like fault his acting for it. No, no, no. And I think it's just the, the difference that you and I went in with this category and the way we did the awards. I didn't even think of him for this because I didn't think that that was, I thought that was a very difficult role to play. I thought yeah. Acting, yeah. Yeah. And that's totally fair. But don't worry. <laughs> I did have him in mind for another category, but. We'll, we'll get yeah. there. Yeah. So the best plot line is next which is was very difficult for me um because there were a lot of good ones and there was a lot of like running through like I didn't want to pick Norman's on a like inability to remember murders because that's a great plot line it's very psycho mm-hmm. but I felt like it was a little too prominent for me to pick it as a plot line yeah so it was like the second most prominent plot line probably and I picked the plot line of everything we see Norma do after her death. Like dead Norma's acting plot line. And I think I was so enthralled by that because we don't get to see that in the film. Yeah. That's the one part where we only see Norman's side of it. And so it was really like intriguing to see her side of that here. No, that's, that's a really, really interesting. I had a really hard time because I was thinking of like smaller arcs. Mm -hmm. I was trying to think of like smaller, like story arcs, not necessarily like overarching plot lines because like there was a lot, like I really had a hard time. One of the ones that I was like leaning into was obviously Alex and Norma's relationship and the, the development of that from, but that was a five season development. Yeah. And I didn't and feel like why it was normal because it still was only like one season. One right. And so like I had, I had a little, but so I went with something that didn't last as long as I wanted it to, but I thought it was really, really fascinating. And so I said Norma's, or no, sorry, Norma, Norman's therapy sessions. Yeah. I think that is a really good one um, because that was a really interesting plot line that I agree could have had been so much more it was interesting for us as the viewer to like dig into that piece of it and how long it's been going on and what actually happened to norman as a kid but it was also really fascinating in terms of the overall plot because of what the switch that it flipped in norman and i think like that's one thing is like one of the things i think it makes it one of the better plot lines is it wasn't overdone because this Mm -hmm. easily gone into too many therapy sessions where Norman switches to Norma and we learn about Norma's childhood again, which we already did or stuff like that. And so it it very easily could have gone off the rails and become like a boring plot point. And it didn't do that. And so I agree. That was, I I also really liked that it never went into Norma because I don't think, I think what I, what has become very obvious by the end of the show, which I think is really important is that the Norma that is in Norman's head, the Norma that we see when Norman is telling it, isn't Norma. Mm-hmm. It's not, it has nothing to do with her or her trauma or her yep. feelings. And so I think it's really important that Norman doesn't even know, like, I mean, he knows that his mom was abused. Sure. But he doesn't, he doesn't know and he doesn't understand her relationship with Caleb and he doesn't, 
know how she feels about Dylan and he doesn't know because his vision, his concoction isn't Norma. Yeah. I very much agree. I, uh, yeah, I thought that was a really good. And I also kind of played around with, I couldn't decide how I felt about it on the, like in the end. So I just let it go. But I did play around with like the Bradley storyline as a whole. I thought about that too. Interestingly, I'm just going to say right now, I don't think there's a single mention of Bradley anywhere on any of the awards that I've given or awards that I even talked about. And it wasn't because it wasn't a good story. I think it was, and I think it was important. And I think that her coming back and that ability for Norma to have an escape and not taking it was important. But I I think it was, I think it was just very mid. It wasn't like, it didn't pull me in. It wasn't awful. Like I, it just existed. And I think I was reading some of the like fun facts and everything at the end and different storylines and stuff and thoughts. I think one of the reasons it didn't hit that mark is it's the storyline we've already seen. She almost like identically emulates Marion Crane with just a bit of a different storyline because she shows up. Norman's interested in her. They have this weird thing, which is doesn't get into it in the movie, obviously. But she yeah. drives the same car as Marion with the same license plate. And she we think she's gone when she comes off. But when she comes back, he kills her just like he did Marion as the mother. And that's the scene we get that's from the original film. Yeah. But it's like, you know, obviously performed differently because it is a different storyline. That was kind of yeah. one of the scenes to follow in the original storyline. And so I yeah. think I wonder if that's why it came off as more of a like average yeah. uh, weirdly weirdly i will say i don't think anything about bradley is in my list but i also don't think anything about the characters that are from the movie are on my list mine either mine either we went really off the rails with like very specific debates motel and not to yeah we were like fuck the fuck psycho <laughs> we already talked about those people um so I actually just remembered this plot line, but the worst plot line is next. And I'm changing my last minute because I just remembered one that I hated more than the one I listed. So, well, this is the award that I considered Julian for because while Norman being in White Pine or Pine Bluff or whatever the fuck the name of the thing was, was important, was important. Julian fucked that whole thing up for me, but that is actually not what I picked. Because it was, it was up there and it irked me. But I picked something that I just genuinely wish had not existed. And that is literally the entire existence of Cody. Okay. Okay. I want to start by saying how much I disliked Cody through the entire time. And you were like, he's fine. He's a good addition. This is why. And now you pick her as your worst plot line? In the moment, as a character, I didn't hate her, but as an overall idea of a story, that half a season added nothing to the plot. In in the long run, in the time, the jealousy with Emma was kind of interesting. The, that, that fact that he was about to like kill somebody else and not the girl, it was interesting. But at the end of the day, we got those moments from other things that had more impact in the end. So in mid season three, I didn't hate Cody, but by the end of the show, I realized 
how much of a waste of time that was when they could have explored Norman's mental health in a different way. They could have explored Dylan's story and Dylan and Emma and uh, Norman all integrating differently. They could have explored things with Bradley. They could have explored the... They could have explored Caleb and Dylan more. Yeah, they could have explored Caleb and... They could have explored the Blair Watson actual question of what was happening in her life to get her in a point where she could be murdered better. There's a lot of things that got shifted because of this storyline that at the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. Yep. I agree. I think that's fair. Um, so initially I did pick Jillian's storyline. Then I thought about it and like, literally I just thought about it and I was like, there was a storyline that I forgot about that was even more unnecessary because at least he needed to be in a mental institute. Like, are you, are you about to pick? Norma's date with that guy, like Norma dating the brother of that girl. I don't even know what you're talking about. The chick who like introduced her to oh like my nice God, society. God, that's also unnecessary. And um, then she went on a couple dates with that guy. Her brother, like all face the earth. Yeah, no, that was not what I was going to pick. But that is not a bad one either. Um, I am picking Norma going back to school and meeting the psychiatrist guy. Oh my god, I forgot he existed except for when I was looking at my worst guest stars. I almost put him for the worst guest star, but I was like, it, he was actually not a bad actor. Because I was going with actors, I didn't pick him. But, yes. When we were talking, that's when it came to me, like, we were talking about worst guest stars, and you are talking about acting, you are talking about all this stuff, and I was talking about characters, and I was like, forgot that guy existed, and that's when I was like, that's the story that I hated the most. Because yes. that had the least impact on anything. Do you I, know the only thing it impacted was... Alex and Norma because Alex was so stressed out about her screwing somebody else and so I put that in the category of the Alex Norma saga so I kind of like didn't think about it as the worst storyline because I just thought of it as like a piece of that but yeah by itself her going back to school fuck that shit it made no sense and she like did she drop out we never know we'll never know we don't know where it went whatever even happened to that guy he just ran away remember he had that whole big blowout with Norman in the like basement and then Norma got home and he just was like everyone's crazy I'm leaving and like was gone. Was that before or after Bob Harris kidnapped him? After. Didn't, didn't Bob well, Harris Bob kidnap him? kidnapped him and then he tried to have a conversation with Norma and then he met Norman in the basement and then he had a blowout with Norman. Right. And, and then Norman like got creepy about having sex with his own mother. That's... Yeah and then this guy was just like I'm out of here we never saw him again. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's mine. Yeah, that's so now we're gonna break up a couple of categories because we have one more category for our next segment. Um our next category is the best outfit. And I'm first on this one, I think. Yes, you are. And this is I'm gonna call it a cop out because I didn't pick a specific outfit, but a specific style and time my favorite outfits were norma's 50s look from the first season because it's a cop out (laughs) that is absolutely a cop out because i spent so long looking at her dresses to pick a single dress that she wore because obviously norma in the 50s outfits are my favorite but i spent so long finding a specific outfit she evolved so much over time that the 50s era was the one that was my favorite. And I'm sorry for my cop-out, but 
I loved them all. I think there was a yellow one I really liked. Like the black one that she wore to the party with the rich guy who I was just talking about right, with yes. the pink shawl. Oh, that one was a good one. Yeah. That's what I picked. That's my favorite. Yeah. I don't think that was my favorite though. I think it was like second episode Norma that was my favorite. Also in season two, she had one during the whole theater thing with Cody. She had one that was navy blue with like yellow sailor trim. Mm-hmm. I really liked that one too. Yeah. I really like it was like first few episodes. Norma was season, nice. season one and two. Like it got last 50 Z as it went on, but season one and two was just her dresses were beautiful. Yeah. So for our next segment, I've picked real critics ratings as opposed to IMDb critics ratings. Okay. Um, they're just, these are a little bit faster than the last one. So it's not going to be. Wait, are you, are you deliberately doing this instead of the worst outfit? No, we're coming back to that. Oh, okay. I just, we, everything. We're going to break it up a bit. Oh, okay. I was like, everything that we've done best and worst so far, we've done together. And then you just threw me off. Because I'm doing five at a time. Because I did math and that's how it breaks out evenly. Mm, Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'd rather have math than have separate, than have the same things together. Oh, I see. I see how you did your math. Sorry, I just counted mine, and I was like, "There's that's that math doesn't math." But I, I know I it does. I know what you did. Mm-hmm. I understand you. You know, I'm so glad somebody does. Um. <laughs> so of course, I always like to tell you the parents' side for the show that is not child friendly. Um, sex and nudity, moderate. Fair. Is this from commonsensemedia.org? This is not. This is from IMDb. Oh, okay. Are Sorry. Common-, common Sense Media? I just didn't because oh, IMDb. Uh, I'm but going to. Common Sense Media. I, I am a. Fun quotes. I'm sure that their feelings about the show. Um, Violence and gore. Severe. Yes. Um, I've seen things more severe, but fine. Um, profanity. Moderate. Even though they say the F word in the last episode fine um every pg-13 movie gets one so i guess that's okay alcohol drugs and smoking moderate i think there were alcohol drugs and or smoking in every episode correct so i don't know how that's moderate but fine frightening and intense scenes severe probably not wrong but it's fine did you pull up common sense oh i sure did great Positive messages, one out of five stars. The overall tone is pretty dark with a sense that there's something sinister lurking beneath the surface. The Bates dysfunctional mother-son relationship is another major, major theme with an emphasis on keeping family secrets. Yep. Positive role model, one out of five stars. Zero. Like, well, like one out of five. Although he'd like to be a normal teen, Norman's twisted home life makes it nearly impossible for him to make good choices. There's some good in him, but his mother, whose outlook is overly paranoid and who may be suffering from mental illness, is a dangerous influence. Sure. Violence and scariness. Four out of five bombs. Mm. Mm. Violent scenes include stabbings, rape, torture, etc. Blood is visible, but not gratuitous. That sounds really five out of five. I guess being not gratuitous <laughs> brings it to a four, but like... Sex and nudity. Three out of five. 
some sexual tension between teens, some bare skin during rape, but no sensitive parts visible. That feels like two out of five. <laughs> the way they describe it, yes. The show, absolutely not. But the way no, they absolutely not, no. Language, two of five. Mostly terms like hell, bitch, ass. Drinking, drugs, and smoking, three of five. Some drink, teens drink underage at parties and use illegal drugs like pot. Did we forget that there's a two-season arc about illegal drug farming? <laughs> like, where do they think, what are they looking at? Like, one episode that they picked randomly out of season four? Like, definitely four out of five, drugs and alcohol. Like, Parent, what, what parents need to know? Parents need to know that Bates Motel's violent content isn't constant, but when you see it, it's intense. And it's an integral part of the main character's lives. Violent visuals include stabbings, rape, and torture with some blood, although it isn't overly gory, and several scenes depicting violence against women. There's also some sexual tension between teens, many of whom use un drink underage at parties and use illegal drug like pot. Language is generally light with characters using words like damn, hell, and ass. I would like to rewrite that for them. <laughs> parents need to know um, the show is not for children. Um, it, Common Sense Media does say that based on 19 parent reviews, it is aged for 16 plus, but based on the 43 kid reviews, we could move it down to 14 plus. Based on kid reviews? Sure. If like, yeah, this, no problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just and they're like, yeah, it's fine. Totally cool. Oh, also, we can suggest a diversity update if we need to let them know that there's not diversity in the show. That is, that is true. That is true. Honestly, probably thank goodness, but like, that is true. Whew. Well, I've got some uh, more fun facts. We got a couple scores, and then I have an opening comment. Oh, so I boy. The scores from Rotten Tomatoes 82% tomato meter. First of all, whoever came up with this, like, rating system is a genius. It, like, yeah. makes no sense and somehow has become one of the highest rated, like, Correct. film and TV rate ratings. 88% um, audience score. So, like, it was well, well done. Well done. Yeah. Metacritic locks a little. They gave it a 69% meta score. Um, but 8.2% user score still, which is pretty on par. Yeah. Now I'd like to read you the uh, send-off of Roger A. Bear's um season one thoughts or like at the beginning yeah because it's why we should have had multiple ones the role hints at tantalizing possibilities and it's safe bet that the fiercely talented farmiga an oscar nominee who earned well-deserved praise for directing and starring in higher ground would not have signed on without assurance of sustainable quality based on its first three episodes bates motel is off to a promising start whether it lasts until norma's inevitable rendezvous with mortality is at this point anybody's guess and truly after that everyone should have watched the show right. the problem is they probably did but then season two was kind of and like like watching season two i was like no this is so good i could keep going but like looking back i'm like okay if you had to pick one season two was the worst like yeah yeah but, so i get it which is so funny because people were like season four and five were kind of i'm like no 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 i would watch four and five over and over and over again please get rid of season two yeah if, yeah if you had to choose for sure for sure um, I just, I liked the, the Bradley storyline that came about. So. Yeah. Now, on to the category you questioned me about. Yes. The worst draft in your um, Now, 
This one is one that I really just did not even know what to do because I really didn't think that anybody's outfits were like epically atrocious. Like I didn't see any costuming that I was just like, that's wrong for that character. So I just chose the outfit that made me the most uncomfortable. And that was the first time we see Norma or Norman in Norma's outfit with the wig because he did not even choose a good Norma outfit to do that with. And that is, and not the first time we see her in, him in her clothes. The first, the scene with Chick in the basement where he's got the wig and he's got that weird orange plaid blouse on because that like doesn't even feel like something Norma would wear. Absolutely, um, that is probably the best choice. I also did not dive deep because I also did not know where to start with this one. Uh, maybe we shouldn't have had this category, but since we did, I tried. There was one episode that I do not remember for the life of me that Emma wore an outfit and all I remember is she was walking into the office at Bates Motel and I was like, that is a terrible outfit. And I, I think it was earlier <laughs> season, maybe like mid-season two. Yeah. And I don't recall exactly what it was. I just, I, just would, that fall. I just would like to point out that neither of us chose any of the weird as fuck outfits that Chick wore. And I think that says <laughs> a lot about Chick as a character. It does say a lot about Chick as a character and fun fact about chick because i did not include this in the fun facts for later um he when he was cast in this role he was like i'm playing too many similar characters and he told carrie aaron the writer he was like i will only sign up to this role if you let me add my personality into it that is amazing i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with chick remember when i told you i didn't think i'd ever be able to look at ryan hurst any other way it's because that is who Ryan Hurst is as a person, wearing kimonos and drug shawls and writing in a typewriter in a basement. Like, I feel like that's what he does, for real. It is, it is. It seems it is, based on what I've read, so. I'm obsessed. It's tough. Um, so now, the best effects. I did narrow this down, but I also have a very broad answer first. Okay. The best effects to be had were lighting across the board my very narrowed down version of that was the lighting and camera work in um forever Mm. through the vents that i forgot about that that was stunning i forgot how like just gut wrenching wrenching that was so i did narrow it down but i just wanted to like note as a whole the light yeah no i agree i picked one particular moment, but kind of in general, anytime this happened, um, there was a scene in, I want to say the second or third to last episode. It was when Norman was still in prison and he was being interviewed. And there was a scene where we panned up and, oh, mm-hmm. and in the video monitor, Norman was on the screen, but in the room, Norma was in the booth. Was the there was like... I think it was the third to last. And there was, I think, three other places throughout the season and throughout the show where they very clearly showed us that the viewer saw Norman, but everyone else didn't. Yeah. Or like Norma. And and that, like, the way that they handled that with, like, mirrors and video cameras was so, so epic. The They did it a lot with their rear view mirror in the car. Yeah. And I liked that one, but not as much as the ones where it was, like, jarring like that yeah. camera in the police station i very much agree i i definitely agree i like that because i mean 
And I know I liked it. I also really liked how they did it like in the woods and stuff. It always happened to me when they were outside, but I really liked it also. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that was probably the best version of it. Yeah. Um, Aside from Uh, that one time we did it in the bar where Norman. What's that? When Norman left his car there and it was the the bar. I thought that was a really good like back and forth too. Yeah. This one was because it wasn't like a back and forth. It wasn't a conversation. It was just a singular moment that said more than any conversation could have. I think that was what like really got me in that moment. I think that's very fair. Um, It's a great choice. Um, The worst effect. What would you say? So this one was really, really hard. Because unlike some of the sci-fi shows we've watched, like, it's hard to pick something that was, like, really just, like, bad special effects. Like, there wasn't, like, a lot of, like, like, in Kolshak, those, some of the monsters were just bad. Sure, sure. In, in Dead Like Me, there was some CGI that was just done before its time and was bad. Yeah. I had a really hard time finding something that was just not good effects. So I picked something that I think was not great that evolved. And so I said the lighting in season one. Fair, because it's I didn't really notice it too much. We got into season two. When when we got into season two and three, we started commenting about the lighting a lot. And then going back and looking at it, season one did a lot of like, it's nighttime and bad things are happening. It's dark. And they didn't yes. do the dark and light juxtaposition as well. And like those moments, like, it happened basically anytime anybody was in the Bates house, but I'm specifically thinking at the time when Alex got to the house before he killed Chick and he was following the glow through the house that wasn't really there and that like intense presence of Norma or all the scenes in seasons four and five with Dylan and Norman where they were quite literally in different lit sides of the room. Yeah. I was that thinking about the scene um, where you were, it was daylight outside and when you get into the house, you think it's this happy scene and then it like changes suddenly into this like dark, dirty scene that's there. And it's like Mm -hmm. in the middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And so they did that so well that in season one, all I can think is how dark it was and not in a good way. And so I think that season one's lighting would be for me the weakest because there wasn't really anything. Again, there was nothing awful like there was nothing that was stand out awful but that's the one thing that i thought that they grew the most from um i think it comes as no shock to anyone that my least favorite effects in this whole series was the way that they um adapted to weather because (laughs) we don't know how weather works in white pine bay when it's raining we're not Mm -hmm. wet when there's no snow, it's on the ground. We just can't seem to get it together with the weather. And I understand that that's like a petty call out and not as big of a deal as everything else in the world. But the rain just really bothered me in those first two seasons. And it just- It's okay. In Sunday's episode of Stargate, one of the only continuity errors was that in the last scene, everyone was wet until you got to the big shot of the camp and then it wasn't wet anymore. It's just- it's not a deal breaker. It's these Vancouver shows. Vancouver, everything that films in Vancouver can't figure out weather. Yeah. Because so. Dead Like Me was a BC show. Stargate is a BC show. This is a BC show. Hemlock Grove was not. It was Toronto. So they yeah. didn't fuck up weather. 
They fucked up a lot of things, but they didn't fuck up weather. Not the weather. <laughs> and I understand that's not like a special effects, but it's an effects team. Like you're supposed to make that fit in. Right. Like if it's raining during the shoot and you're going to use it, then the next time you do a shoot, add water. Like I know that that's expensive and stupid, but like. Continuity is important. Yeah. So that was fine. Yeah. Next I love category is biggest plot hole. And I, I have an emotional plot, plot hole that I chose because after reading more into it, the plot hole I wanted to choose was explained by Carlton Cuse later on. So I picked initially that we never discussed Dr. Evans and his disappearance. Yes. So Carlton Cuse came out later and said that he was dead the whole time. He doesn't say how he died, but he does confirm that he was dead. And that's why we never saw him again in the series. But he doesn't Okay, but that but that doesn't explain that doesn't ex- but that doesn't explain anything between the like I believe that he was dead the whole time he wasn't in that scene. That's fine. But when did he die? How did he die? Did it have anything to do with Norman? I still think that that's a valid plot. I agree. I agree. There's still some missing pieces, but my biggest concern was whether or not he was dead. And I did learn he was dead. No, but, see, that was well, never my concern. My concern wasn't him being dead. I assumed he was dead. I believed that he was dead. I just, the fact that we didn't know how or why, or that we brought him back for that conversation just to reveal that he was dead and then never go anywhere with it. Yeah. That was what was upsetting to me. I think that's very valid. Um, my plot hole is minor. Okay. But I feel it a lot in my soul. <laughs> It is that Dylan never learned about Caleb's death. That's so fair. I, I feel like that there's a way that they could have learned later. But that's the thing is like Dylan holds on to stuff like that so much that somebody needed to tell him because if they told him 10 years out, I mean, you saw how he reacted when he found out Norma was dead two years after she was dead. Like that's because Norman didn't tell him at this point who was around left to tell him. Alex is dead. Chick. What? Norman could have told him. Yeah, Norman thought it was three years or five years earlier. I mean, that's fair, but like, but but I mean, I mean to be fair, like, but Norman, never- Norman, Norma, Chick, Alex, all dead. Who is going to tell him about Caleb? But also, like at this point, someone should have noticed he was missing and like figured but out. Who? He, nobody knew he was even back from Costa Rica except for Dylan and Emma. I know. I know. Really it's, I agree that it's painful, but I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I agree. Right. I don't know how to fix it. Um, but that was a that was the one I wanted to see resolved. No, Dr. Edwards is the only one that I'm still angry about. And here's the thing, and this is why, and I will tell you this because this is, doesn't really have anything to do with this show. But you've seen Once Upon a Time, yes? Yes, all of them. Okay. Not Once Upon a Time Wonderland, but all the okay. regular Once Upon a Time. But so Once Upon a Time in Wonderland was a spinoff. And it was a one-season self-contained show. Right. Except that one character from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland reappeared in Once Upon a Time. Which one? The Neva parts. Okay. And then 
They teased why he was back from Wonderland. They randomly dropped him in Oz and said showed that he had been traveling between the realms in many different ways. They resolved his storyline with Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. They kept hinting and hinting and hinting and then took the show in a totally different direction. And now he came back into the show. The first show hint of him coming back into the show was 2014. So 10 years later, I still do not forgive Adam and Eddie for never answering that question. I'm pissed. The show has been off the air for years. His re-entrance was a decade ago. I still do not forgive them for fucking that up so hard. I would hedge to bet that, like, you might could find some more Carlton Q's, like, um, interviews and stuff. They go more into that. I'm going to have to. I'm going to email him. He might would email you back. because he's I might. Sorry. I might just send him, him an email and be like, hey. From Death and Aliens. From, yes, from the Death and Aliens. But I'll be like, hey, we do a podcast and we talked about your show. And I personally get really, really, like, I hold grudges about plot holes that shouldn't be plot holes. So can you please tell me how Dr. Roberts died and why you teased him being dead without giving me an answer? Yes, and I think that is very valid. Um, when I'm not half a bottle of wine deep, I will send that email. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> it probably is the biggest plot hole. I just love Dylan, and that's why I chose That's that. fair. You know. Last but not least, for the main awards, not the special, is the best acting moment. And you do get to go first in this one. Okay. And for this one, so this one was not best actor. Because in the past, we've done best actor and best actress, which is really hard because I think, obviously, it's Norma and Norman. Like, that's not really even a question. And it's also kind of hard to be, like, best actor and worst actor because, like, that's not fair. Um, But... There's a lot in the show that's really subtle and really good and just like best. And you have all these characters that are there forever. So like, what is their best acting moment? Um, and I had a really, really, really hard time with this. And I chose Dylan's last scene with Norman. Oh, my heart. I had so many options, especially Norma options that I could have gone with. But that I don't think I'm ever going to recover from that speech. And and having seen of the people in the show, other than Freddie Highmore, Max Thero, um, Thero is the one that I have the most experience with his acting outside of this show. And that I just, that scene with the two of them was... I can't. I can't. Yeah. Um, I also had a very hard time with this scene. I mean, with this option. And I really thought I was going to end up on a Vera Farmiga scene because mm-hmm. I do have a lot of experience with her outside of this show. And she's, first of all, incredible. At yeah. She's never bad at anything. No. Um, But I didn't end up on a Norma scene. I did choose because it stuck with me and it hit me so hard. And last week mm-hmm. I picked the scene where Norman's driving in the car and reliving the very first episode as he's gone back five years, driving back home. That. Yes. Because, like, I, like I'm getting chills now just thinking of that scene and like how well done it was. He looked 
crazy. And it was, and you think about because you can see from the videos that it's, you know, it's replaying the episodes from five years before, and he's now doing the same thing five years later, and he's able to keep that momentum going when he has yeah, yeah, yeah. years. You know, like it's so incredible. It's so good, and it's it's the one that really like did me. So fair. Um, but I mean, I'll never say no to a Dylan scene winning, but. You know, because I love him dearly. And I don't know Max Terrio from anything else. Like, so I need to watch Seal Is it Seal Team? Is that the one? Seal Team is what I've been watching, yeah. yeah um, also, um, isn't he, he's in one of those, like, he's in a, a couple of those, like, stupid teen movies um, when he was younger. Um, oh, Catch That Kid. Oh, I did. And, the, and the Pacifier. The Pacifier is the one that I was thinking oh. of. See, I never saw The Pacifier. So he was in Catch That Kid, The Pacifier, and Nancy Drew, all when he was, like, younger. The, the Nancy Drew with him. Uh, um, and then, oh, in House at the End of the Street. Which I haven't seen, but I can't wait, because he's become a name in horror. Him and Olivia Cook and... Um, House, House at the End of the Street is from 2012, and it's him and Jennifer Lawrence. So good. Um, it's on. It's gonna be on my list this year for. I don't know. Maybe I'll do. Halloween yeah. So now Seal Team, and then he, um, now he Seal Team. He was a really, really good character, and then Seal Team did this thing where it stopped being on CBS primetime, and it's only on Paramount now, and it like it was a weird thing that changed. Yeah. So he left the show to be on a regular CBS primetime show, and he's in a show called Fire County, which looks fantastic, but I haven't seen yet. Interesting. Um, before we get into our top three awards. Actually, I would like to throw in one surprise award that I didn't tell you about because I just thought of it. Oh um, but I think it should go toward the end. So I'm just letting you know now that I'm going to throw that at you. So it'll be our top four awards. Okay. <laughs> She's like, oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for this. I've had some wine now. but <laughs> Me too. That's probably why I thought of it. Probably true. Um, I have some fun facts for you before we get into Yay! the finale of our show. Sorry, guys, this is a long episode. I told you it was going to be long last week. DNA. DNAs are always long. Yeah. Um, and also forgive me if I've said these fun facts before, because we have been doing this for a year, and it is very possible at some point I've mentioned it before. But I don't remember it, so you probably also don't remember it. That's where yeah. I'm going. So. Perfect. Um, Timothy Chalamet auditioned to play Norman. Ew. But <laughs> he based it off of, so he re- he watched the original film, 1960, with Anthony Perkins. Yeah. And then he watched American Psycho. And- oh, I've heard this. I've heard this where he thought he did his audition based off of Christian Bale in American Psycho, which is not the same fucking character <laughs> at all. I read that earlier today, and I was like, I don't think I've ever heard this. I don't know if I've just no, I I know you didn't tell me that. I read it on something else, totally random, very recently, and was like, that's incorrect. It was so funny. I read that earlier, and I laughed for like ten minutes. I know. Like, you know what? I read it on a. I was looking at something about Timothy Chalamet because I was talking about um, the girls from Little Women. Yeah. And so I was looking at something about um, 
Timothy Chalamet and Little Women, because he's the one who plays Laurie in Little Women, right? So I was looking at Little Women stuff because I'm teaching that book right now. So I was looking at something about him and I saw it on a, like a fun fact page about him and was like, sir, no. <laughs> he would have been a terrible Norman Bates. And I think terrible. I think he's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. I really think Timothy Chalamet is doing it right now. But like, um, see, I do, except for the first thing I saw him in was Lady Bird and I fucking hated him in that movie. That's fair, because also the first thing I saw him in, and I didn't care for him in that, but I loved Lady Bird. Oh, no, I love Lady Bird. I think I it's a fantastic movie. And I agree, he didn't do much in that. No. And it wasn't like I hated his character, because I did hate his character, but I didn't I didn't like him in it either. And then I've seen him in about 75 other things or something. See, I think my problem is I still haven't seen him in anything else. I've just seen everybody talking about him on the um, internet. I've seen him in more, and he's done better. Okay. Um... Bill Bayless, Ballas, who is one of the, I think, producers of the show, has cystic fibrosis, and that was the inspiration for Emma having cystic fibrosis in the show. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, right. Um, Freddie Highmore was born the same year that Anthony Perkins died. So it was just his soul? Like, it was the same soul? Got it. It was uh, 92, so who knows? He may have come into one of us instead. Freddie Highmore's birthday is in June, I think, right? I think so. Somewhere right in the middle of us. Yeah, I don't know what day Anthony Perkins died. That's a that's a good thing to know. I was gonna say, yeah, when did Anthony? Because uh, maybe maybe it's me. Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Oh, September twelfth. Oh. Um. And Freddie Highmore. Freddie Highmore. Birthday. Is February. February. So, so no, um, most likely so, it was me who got it. Yeah, so if Anthony Perkins is in any of the three of our souls, it's yours. Yeah, absolutely, probably so. That feels that feels accurate. I was gonna say Freddie Heimer's older than me. Yeah, but not. But but literally by a month. So it's yeah, exactly. Um, so we know how Nestor Carbonell and Freddie Highmore and all of them directed episodes. Vera Farmiga was also offered the chance to direct an episode. And she chose not to because she said the director doesn't get to have the final cut in this show. And so she passed up the chance to direct. Because she knows the editors are the fucking boss. Absolutely. Um, this, I know we've talked about a lot of different adaptations. Somewhere Norman died, somewhere he doesn't. Somewhere yeah. there's other people involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a character called Emma who plays Norma's sister in a couple of the versions. I hate that. Um, but this is the first adaptation where Norman has a sibling. Okay. That's fun. Um, White Pine Bay, while kind of a made up place, they they believe was made was named after what well, was actually uh, modeled after Murder Mountain, which is north of San Francisco, because there was a town that had an illegal drug ring essentially with um, really corrupt police and stuff in it pretty much was modeled the same as White Pine Bay. So they assume that that's where it was based off of. Um, the reason Nicola, Pe- Nicola, Nicola Pel- Beckham, who plays Bradley, yeah. um, appeared in season two less than she did in season one was not necessarily just for storyline, but because she was filming Transformers Age of Extinction. Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Nestor Carbonell in an interview let us know that season one was only meant to have six episodes, 
that's why Shelby's arc ended in, in episode six. But they liked it so much that they just extended it to a full ten. Um, Hi. Another uh, Nicola Peltz Beckham fun fact. Her dad owns Snapple. Fantastic. Um, it was the show, one of the producers of the show was Mark, Mark Wolper. Yeah. Who, his dad was the producer for the 1971 Willy Wonka show. And Freddie Highmore ended up being in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory show. So it was like a Fantastic. weird triangle they have going. I love that. Um, and last, but certainly not least. Oh, nope. I have two more. So um, all the credits, when they have the um, actors and actresses' names pop up, all have one letter that's the neon blue, just like the... Yeah. And then last but certainly not least, in the show, Norma dies on December 20th, which is the same day that the entirety of Psycho 1960 took place. So... What you're saying is instead of getting married on December 22nd, I should move my wedding to the 20th. Yes, correct. Okay, cool. Would also be more convenient for me, so. <laughs> Guys, don't worry. I'm not getting married. It's fine. Um, um, she's lying, but fine. Um, I just want to win. Oh, so, yeah, I know. We'll get there. Don't worry. So what is your surprise category that you're about to The surprise category is going to go after... The next two, but before the final. Okay, fine. You're really throwing off my groove. I'm so sorry, but it you when once I tell you what it is, it will make sense. Why it goes where it goes. Okay, I'll give you this one. So who on earth? And you know, I'm gonna let you answer these questions first because Because I'm ruining everything. Because also because you're ruining everything, yes. Um who would you ultimately like to punch in the face? Oh, punch in the face first. Okay. Um, Norman. Well, that is probably the correct <laughs> I, and you will wholeheartedly disagree, but I picked a chick. <laughs> because <laughs> we know how I feel about Chick and his existence. And while I don't obviously I didn't disapprove of him as a character because I didn't pick him as worst character or nonsense. But I would like to punch him in the face. That's fair. At least three times. That's fair. Yeah. So who is your ultimate MVP for the seats here? They ask me this first, and that's why my face is this color. <laughs> I wonder who you're gonna pick. Um, I wonder if it would not be Alex. Talking Romero. I mean, I mean, I feel like this is like kind of a giveaway on both sides. Like everyone knows who we're gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Alex, and you're gonna pick Dylan. It doesn't matter. Of course, of course, we're just here for the like festivities. Like you know, we're just finishing up our script. But of okay. course, I'm gonna pick Dylan because I mean, wasn't I feel like in Dead Like Me, I picked Mason at the end. So, like, if you could pick Mason in this series, I think you would. But like, you just can't you just you're too easy to read in your mvps yeah i mean not that i'm not but like <laughs> right all right now the magical mystery award that i'm just okay. springing on you 
we talk a lot on the DNA Awards about things that we like about like TV in general and like actors and costumes and special effects and writing and directing. But at the end of the day, this is a horror and sci-fi podcast. And so I think we need to give an award for the best iconic horror moment in the series. My gosh, easy time. Yeah, I, I didn't think I didn't think you'd have a hard time with that. But I, I realized, like, I looked through all of our words and I was like, we don't fucking talk about horror and sci-fi, like, at all. That's so fair. that's very fair. So I think the the surprise super secret surprise award that's not really a surprise because it's really what the show's about. What is the most iconic horror moment in the show? Sure. What'd you pick? I picked the moment where he doesn't kill Marion in the shower. That's a great one. Alternatively, I picked where he kills Sam Loomis in the shower because that is the iconic scene from Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think I, but the suspense buildup, like if you like look at the literate literary definition of elements of horror, suspense is the most important. No, absolutely. And I would, I would, and that, that who disagrees because that is, and that, that moment where I was so sure, so sure she was going to die. And then in 13 seconds, my entire worldview changed. That is iconic horror to me. That is. And Mm -hmm. I, I picked a remake of the iconic horror scene that we're used to. So yeah, I think they both are very bad. I mean, I loved the scene with Mary and don't get me. To be honest, to be honest, the juxtaposition of that scene with the two scenes that we just picked, the scene with Marion and the scene with Sam, those two together, if the whole show had been a flop, those two scenes still would have been worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even though we did not mention them anywhere else in this episode. But yes, (laughs) because it's, that's the horror. So was that good. The show was that good that we didn't need to, but in terms of true horror and like true psychological thriller that episode was the one that was absolutely no question so now that we've made it to the end what who how when are you giving your double helix to now i think my double helix is very often just a person. Sure. And I'm the one who's like, the double helix can be literally anything. Like, it doesn't have to fit into a category that makes any sense. But that's the point. The double helix is what from the show is the most important thing you got from the show. And for the first time, I am picking something that is not a person. Like, or thing, really. Oh, I'm so excited. I... I'm picking the actual legitimate addressing of mental health issues. Yes. Great choice. Excellent. Because the way that they discuss Norman, not as being crazy, not as being a serial killer, but as being, and granted, there are some people who deal with it better than others because that's life, but the actual um, acknowledgement and verification that he has dissociative identity disorder that he has these trauma bonds like and that all of these things are stemmed from that and that the fact that he doesn't see it out that is so real 
in not a creepy, scary people suck kind of way in a like you're the most terrifying thing about you is what's in your inside your own head kind of way. And I appreciate that the most. Right. And that is one of the things I appreciate most about horror in general mm-hmm. is that it, like it does bring to the forefront. Like it's not what's out there on the street. It's not the monsters under your bed. It's what you're fighting in your own head half the time. Yeah. And uh, that's a really good one. I really like that job. Um, mine is probably not, again, not a super surprise based on how I picked past one. But um, I did pick the relationship between not the characters, but Vera Farmiga and Freddie Heimer. Because this show, not only their chemistry in this show that they did so well at being so icky. <laughs> right. And then so their real life relationship where Freddie Highmore is the godfather to Vera Farmiga's child. And yeah. they have built this like beautiful friendship outside of the show. And like, this isn't the first horror she's done. She was, um, what's the Winchester house one? It's the movie. It's Amityville Horror. Is it one of those? Um, it's the, the Betty and, uh, the conjuring, the conjuring franchise. She's she wasn't, wait, she was in The Orphan? Sorry, I'm looking at her thing now. She was, yeah. Who was she? Was she the, mom? Was the mom? Yeah. God, that's my but Like, So she's been in these other things that have these, like, very particular relationships. But Freddie and Vera, like, yeah, found this special bond that doesn't seem to exist anywhere else. And I just think that's so beautiful. And I think, I think those are the type of things that could be built out of bonding over horror yeah but like i just i really love that something so crazy and so insane and so intense and it's so traditional i mean looking at psycho as being one of the classics you can build this like beautiful relationship out of a friendship right so i picked their friendship i love that thank you um yeah so uh we did it we made it through 50 episodes of Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. We loved like 99.8% of them probably. I would say yep. it's one of the best thriller shows I've ever seen, especially lasting for five seasons. That is unheard of for like a continuous. Yeah. And, and the fact that like, yes, there were topics that were like dark, like let's not pretend that there weren't. And it was graphic and it was adult, but it wasn't jump scary or gory or like it was twisted but at the most subtle human level of twisted like it was almost more of a drama than a thriller right it didn't use the gore and the like over the top like sexual assault or anything to be like this is horror because of gore and sexual assault it was like this and i will and i will say it started rough because like i know for a fact monica has not been following along with the podcast right now because she watched the first episode of the show well before we did and could not get past the rape scene and never watched it again. And I, and I keep being like, please just keep going. Cause it isn't like that. And she, then she finished hair school and started having a real job. And so like, she hasn't had time to go back, but, but that first episode I was not sure what we were getting ourselves in for. It was gratuitous. It wasn't 
for any good reason. Like it was meant to be a like jarring something to catch you off guard. And like, yeah, if that was the only episode I'd seen, I might have done the same. I mean, I watched the first episode of uh, Handmaid's Tale and everyone was hanging and I was like, I can't watch the show. And I was like, no, no, it's a great show. You got to keep going. I'm like, cannot. It caught no. me off guard. It set me off. I cannot do it. And yeah. So, like, I totally get that. And I feel like a lot of people probably felt that way about the show with good reason. Yeah. But it was like, after that first episode, right? Maybe the second one, I don't remember where it all like resolved, but first. No, I mean, the first season was definitely like weirder. It was trying to get renewed. It was trying, yeah, it was. Well, because also, I don't know if you talked about this at all, but A&E didn't order it as a pilot. They ordered the whole first season at once. So they had a lot to prove. The first six episodes of the Shelby arc were already set up. It was the the first six episodes. Yeah. And so they already, they had a lot to prove because they didn't, they weren't, they had, there was too much money in it to fail. Absolutely. And I mean, being an A&E show, not being, I mean, cable TV is cable TV, but it's different on like an A&E channel. Yeah. um, By the time I got to the third season, the fourth and fifth season were green light at the same time. It wasn't yeah. like a, what's going to happen after season four. Like they already had a season five in the work. Yeah. So, I will say though, um, I was just looking at things like fun facts while um, you were reading some of the fun facts and Carlton Cuse had originally hoped that there would be seven seasons. Okay. I didn't see that. And I only know that because um, he said in an interview that he deliberately ripped off Twin Peaks and that they had only been able to make 30 episodes, and so he wanted to make the other 70 that they weren't able to make. That is really funny. Um, who knows? Twin Peaks may be one of our next shows, so it's on. It's probably on the list. It's we definitely have, on the list. We have a season filler that we'll talk about next week. We have a season filler, so we have some time for you to get in your suggestions for our next show that we cover. Yeah. Um, and I might, I might pull the episodes, the seasons we had from the time before, because we did have Twin Peaks, and there was, like, one more that I think we were going like, to throw in there. And I might um, add those to the will, because they were suggested last time. Yeah. Um, there was a couple, twi- I think oh, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks might have actually been on the sci-fi list, because it's kind of more sci-fi, yeah. but it is, it is also horror, and since That's we're going to be in Stargate forever... P.E. Blinders was on our wheel last time, yes. I, I think Twin Peaks should still go for horror, even though I know it's yeah. elements of both. Um, Twin Peaks, P.E. Blinders, um, what's that show that's like a literary show? Penny Dreadful. Mm. Um, I'll probably put those back on the wheel. And then uh, one vote unless other people suggest them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, do you have any, like, last thoughts about Faith? I'm, like, legitimately upset that we're done with Faith Motel. I I am too. I'm gonna miss it, like being a part of my life all the time. But I'm also like, time for something fresh. It, I'm excited to to do something new. I'm excited to have because as much as like I love Stargate and like you guys know, I love Stargate. Yeah, it's I'm I but like like I mean Stargate now. Um, today I saw a Reddit post about a coffee mug about Stargate that said there's no place like home and but the instead of the word home it was the earth symbol from the Stargate and I immediately clicked on the link and bought it without even thinking and I was like and then I go I have never purchased something off of Reddit so fast in my entire fucking life like I don't know what I just did so like I bubble or something what's up nope like it, 
Nope. It was on some random website. I'm not even hundred percent sure it's a real website. I might've just spent $30 on nothing. Um, when I get the mug, I will, um, obviously show it on the podcast, but like, I fucking love Stargate, but it's going to be a while before we move on. And so the like routine of the Stargate and Bates was kind of at its, at its place. And I am ready to, uh, yeah, and that's why I wanted to add movies in between every season, too, because I was like, we can't just do the same thing every week. Yeah. We got to have something to change up it. So I do agree in that sense. And, like, I just wish we were back at week one of Bates. Like, I wish we were starting Bates and had All over. Bates. Yeah. I, it's truly one of the best shows I've ever seen. And I feel like this is, like, a stretch, because I've seen a lot of good shows. Yeah. But continuity-wise, and, like, didn't lose the uh, momentum as mm-hmm. much. I mean, there were episodes, of course, but mostly, yeah. mostly in season one and season two. Like, once we got halfway through season three, it was like, we were in. Yeah. Was, I think there was, like, maybe one episode in season four that I was like, I don't yeah. want to be watching this. But, like, otherwise, it was, like, it was good till the end. I, like, yeah. and I will fight anyone who tells me it wasn't. So, you know, but, um, yeah, do you have any more last thoughts before I make our ne- next announcement that you also don't know? I'm I'm just sitting here waiting for you to tell me what movie I have to watch. I know, I know. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to build the anticipation. So because I will never ever be done with Bates Motel, I am going off the rails and our next movie, as it should be, is gonna be American Psycho with Christian Bell. Yes. Okay. Which is a movie I've seen before, but I haven't watched it in probably... I know, that's the thing. I haven't seen it in so long. I cannot wait to rewatch it with, yeah. like, a totally different mindset. Absolutely. And I know, I know it's not Psycho. No, it's not. Well, yeah, Patrick sure Bateman Patrick Bateman, Bateman and Norman Bates are not the same character. Absolutely not. But I'm sure... Timothy. <laughs> yes, Timothy Chalamet, we're talking to you. Um, but I think it's going to be a really good one. I know it's a fan fave. I know a lot of people love the movie. It's... Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about the musical, which I haven't seen, but I'm aware. Me either, but like, it's sure, fine. Talk about it vaguely. <laughs> we only talk about anything vaguely. That's that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So next week we're going to be doing American Psycho. I did not even look up where you could watch it. I feel like it was a Hulu or a Netflix. Mm. Um, I feel like it was Netflix. American Psycho. We'll sing you the musical. Oh, it's on Pluto TV. Shocker. So just move into Pluto TV. Watch Stargate, wow. watch American Psycho, the credit, the, um, what are they called? Cats. The commercials are going to suck. They always do. Just bear with us. Um, or you can rent it anywhere. Amazon, Apple TV, Google Play, whatever, all of the things. Sure. I probably will, to be fair. I'll probably rent it off Amazon. But. I won't, but that's fine. Save your $4. It's totally fine. But please, please stay tuned because I also have a really big announcement for what our season filler is going to be at the end of American Psycho. And you are not going to want to miss this because it has been asked for for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like, how long has the show been going now? Three years? Three years, yeah. It has been asked for for three years. And it is <laughs> going to rock rock some socks. Yeah. And, uh, but, of course, always join us for our season mid-season season episode 10 right for episode 10 yeah so no Roughly nine. episode 9 actually we're not nine. even 
Demons was eight. We just did nine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's Resident Agent was nine. Yep, you're right. No, but there's 22. So, and we're somewhere. We're somewhere in season. We're roughly in the middle of season three of Stargate. And uh, it only gets better from here, folks, because. Correct. Correct. We checked. So. (laughs) We checked. But uh, yeah, so come back for Stargate and come back for American Psycho and come back for your big announcement next week. And we love you guys. Thank you for coming to the DNA Awards. If you have, you have yeah, if you have feelings about our awards, if you have suggestions for the next horror show that we watch now that Bates is over, please, 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 please send it. And you can do that by emailing us at deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social medias, which we will post a poll closer in time for TV show um, suggestions mm-hmm. at Death and Aliens. You can find me personally at CECloud13. And you can follow me everywhere at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And if you have anything mean to say about Dylan or Alex, you don't. So Correct. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye.